The very first time I ever preached to you was on this passage. I'm sure that's not news to you. When you hear the scripture being read, you immediately, your mind was just flooded with memories from that sermon like four years ago. Every point, every detail, I know, I know, every story, I, I couldn't repeat it if I wanted it to. I could just sit right down now because you remember it all. But just in case you don't, I won't. Some of you weren't here four years ago, so for your sake, we'll keep going. Our story today is an incredible passage, a passage worth preaching perhaps over and over again as you heard our readers bring it to life for us. There is so much in this text. The whole chapter was read here in John 9. It's a story that's like several in the Gospel of John, these encounters that Jesus have with, has with people in need of healing, these dramatic scenes where people are faced with who Jesus is and they leave forever changed. But the people around cannot believe what had happened. See, Jesus does not fit into their worldview. Now, the first time I preached this text with you, I was struck by what I don't know. The blind man who, kept, who keeps saying, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. That was the title of my sermon, I don't know. And the longer I'm in ministry, the longer I minister with you, the more I don't know, the more we realize together maybe we don't know everything there is to know about life, about God. But there are some characters in the story that seem to know everything. The religious leaders, they know. They know the way the world is supposed to work. I do not know is not in their vocabulary. And you've met these people. They know how things are supposed to be. And it's all right there in the law. Just read the law. The answers are there. Blind men, well, they don't just see, not when they're born that way. It's impossible. And, and heretic preachers like this Jesus, well, he can't heal blind men. He's a heretic. He's a sinner. Good things don't happen to sinners. It's in the Bible. And, and what is Jesus claiming to have done? There are no questions. There are no room for doubt because they have it all figured out, contrary to the evidence in front of them. Sickness, disease, bad luck, it was all easily explained. You did something wrong or maybe your parents did something really wrong. And this is the punishment. Bad things happen to bad people. The world is that simple. Aren't you glad that in our world today, we've moved beyond such elementary black and white cause and effect thinking, right? Right. So I'm a pretty big fan of West Wing. If you haven't seen the show, it's, it's phenomenal. Uh, this fictitious story of a fictitious U.S. president and his staff. I've watched it, uh, you know, a few times. I'm re-watching the show again because, see, there's this podcast I like to listen to when I work out. It's called West Wing Weekly. And there's these two guys, one a star from the show, other his friends who dissect every episode. It is, it is very entertaining. It is phenomenal. I'm going to listen to one this afternoon, maybe when I go to the gym. I know what you're thinking. Wow, he's pretty cool. And you're right. And the other day I, I was watching the second episode of season one again. The title of that episode is Post Hoc, Post Hoc Ergo Propter Hoc. Any Latin buffs or legal buffs in the room today? It's a Latin phrase. It means literally, after this, therefore, because of this. And there's several things in the episode that connect to that phrase. But one in particular, the staff is arguing with the president 
they're getting onto him because he has this bad sense of humor. He always gets in trouble for making these smart, insulting jokes that he thinks are hilarious and others are very put off by. They reference a joke he told on the campaign trail in the state of Texas. A reporter asked him why he didn't spend more time campaigning in Texas. And President Bartlett replies, well, because I don't look good in big hats. He thought it was funny. Everyone else didn't. They thought that joke cost him the election in Texas. And the president introduces them to this big Latin legal phrase, post hoc ergo propter hoc. After this, therefore, because of this, a logical fallacy, he says, which assumes that because one event happens, it causes the other event. Now, a lot of people have post hoc ergo propter hoc faith. Because I prayed today, I got those parking spaces at the Jordan Creek Mall. Because I did something wrong, nothing's going right for me today. They suffer because of something I If I believed more, then things would get better. Because the man was born blind, either he or his parents must have sinned. It's a way of explaining the world, an easy way of looking at our faith. Bad things equal bad, bad people. Bad things come to bad people. Good things come to good people. This thing happened because it was caused by that. But it's also a way that we excuse ourselves from responsibility. If the man was born blind and was born a sinner, then do we really have to show him compassion? If a situation is caused by something you did, do I not have to, do I have to feel sorry for you? If you're a poor, well, you must have done something to deserve it, bad choices. Why help? Why show compassion to, to dreamers, these children, young adults born in the U.S. because, well, their parents did this all illegally, post hoc ergo Propter hot faith, an easy way of explaining the world, an easy way of getting ourselves free of responsibility. So when the Pharisees encounter the blind man, they know his story. They don't need to talk to him, get to know him, hear his side of things. They know his script. He's a sinner. It's obvious. Jesus, who alleges to heal him, is a sinner. And none of this could have happened the way the blind man said he is a liar. And they ask him, then how? Tell us how, for real. How were your eyes opened? And the blind man keeps telling them, I don't know. I do not know. The one thing I know, I was blind and now I can see. So I invite you for a moment to be blind. Close your eyes. Think with me for a moment. Have you ever had that moment where you thought, where what you thought was true, was challenged by facts right in front of your face? Where your worldview, your way of explaining things was called into question. You were forced to either deny what was in front of you or change the way you thought to see the world anew. Have you had those moments? How did it feel? Was it disorienting? What did you have to give up? What changed? How did your world, how did yourself look differently afterwards? You could open your eyes before you fall asleep. (laughs) I don't know your experience. I could talk all day. I won't about times in my life where what I knew was true was proven false where the world began to look differently. The world is black and white until it's not. 
And all these colors began to emerge. Maybe you once said like I did when I have kids. They'll never act like that. And then kids come and they all act like that. You encounter someone from your past, someone who used to be no good. How could they ever be different? And years later, they reach out. They've changed. They're making amends. How can you trust them again? People don't change, do they? The dad who always was the one to crack gay jokes, always blamed the faults of the world on those people. His his world rocked when his son comes out, the son whom he loves dearly, and he can deny it. Turn his back on his son or enter into this crazy, brave new world. And when you enter that world, it feels like you're blind. All of a sudden, you thought you can see, and now you realize you were the one who was blind after all. And the world doesn't make sense anymore. The colors are new. Where do you go? How do you live in such a new world? In that moment, you have a choice to forget everything you knew the way the world used to look. And take this step into darkness and learn to see again. In our story, the Pharisees, well, they're the ones who can see, and yet they cannot see what is right in front of them. And the man who had been born blind, he is the one who really is the only one who really sees. And he doesn't understand it all. It's confusing his whole life. He had been blind, but now he can see. But all he knows is that Jesus spat on the ground made some mud, rubbed it on his eyes, and now he can see. I once was blind, but now I see. When the Pharisees confront Jesus at the end of the story, Jesus says to them, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. And the Pharisees reply, surely we're not blind, are we? So what is it for you this morning? Are you the one who can see who needs to become blind or the one who is blind who needs to see? Because sometimes blind people can see. Sometimes heretic preachers perform miracles. Sometimes what we know with all our hearts to be true is not. Sometimes the evidence is right in front of our faces and we can't seem to see past our noses. Sometimes we sing, I once was blind, but now I see. And sometimes the song is different. I once could see, but now, now I've become blind. Regardless of the song, it's still a song of salvation. God interrupting the way we thought the world always was and showing us something new. May God open our eyes or close them as the case may be. And may we let God surprise us.